In my time here in Roanoke, I managed to find a really good Japanese noodle place. Maybe you've heard of it, Ike's Kitchen. Has anybody been to Ike's Kitchen ever? Aren't you sad that it closed forever? Okay, so you can't go to Ike's Kitchen, I'm sorry. But I loved Ike's Kitchen. It was delicious, it was phenomenal food. And I shared this good news of Ike's Kitchen with so many people in my time here. I, I just would say, hey, have you ever heard of Ike's Kitchen? Have you ever eaten there? It's delicious, you should check this place out. I, I tried to bring my parents there, I told parishioners about it, I told my friends about it. Uh, I told just about everybody I could about this place because it was so good. And the people that worked there were so nice and so friendly. It was an awesome place. And I shared it, right? This is a very natural thing for human beings to do when they discover something good, something true, something beautiful, something that we enjoy. We want to share that with everybody around us. It's just what we do as human beings, okay? And yet I wonder, like, do we do that all the time with Jesus? Do we do that as naturally, as smoothly, as joyfully with Jesus? That's what we see the apostles doing in this Easter season. We crack open the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and we hear all of those stories about how after discovering Jesus, after seeing that he really is risen, that he's raised from the dead, that all they can do, all they are interested in doing is sharing that fact with everybody. Just going out there and telling everyone, even, even when they're going, being thrown into jail, right? Right before the, the, the passage that we heard this morning from the fifth chapter of Acts of the Apostles, Peter and the other apostles were thrown into jail. And then while they were in jail, an angel came and led them out of prison. And what did the angel tell them to do? The angel told them, go and tell everyone about this life. Tell everyone, go out and tell the whole world about this life, this life of Jesus that you are filled with. How can you keep that to yourself, right? Last week we celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday and St. Faustina is the saint that we received that beautiful devotion from Jesus through her. And she has this beautiful quote that I'd like to share with you all this morning that I think kind of captures some of the spirit of what it's like to just want to go out and share the name of Jesus with everyone around us, to evangelize. She says this, Oh, what great happiness fills my heart from knowing God and the divine life. What happiness fills my heart. It is my desire to share this happiness with all people. I cannot keep this happiness locked in my own heart alone, for his flames burn me and cause my bosom and my entrails to burst asunder. That's very intense language. If she doesn't share this message of divine mercy, of the life of Jesus, of the love of God, then the flames will begin to burn her from the inside out and she will explode, okay? And then she says, I desire to go throughout the whole world and speak to souls about the great mercy of God. 
That is a woman on fire with the Holy Spirit. That is a woman who just wants to, to share the goodness, the good news of Jesus and his mercy with the whole world. And that's what we see in the apostles in our reading this morning. They were willing to do anything. They were not going to stop at anything. They just wanted to get this news out there to the whole world. And they were willing to get into trouble because, as we heard, the Sanhedrin had strictly ordered them not to teach in the name of Jesus. They were told, cut it out. Stop telling people about what happened. Just zip it. Shush, stop it. We don't want to hear that. But evidently, a lot of people did want to hear about it because people started to listen. And they were crowding around the apostles. And they were listening to the good news that Jesus died for them, was crucified for them, rose from the dead for them. And they were like, this changes everything. And you know what? Did the apostles listen to that strict order? Did they? Absolutely not. How could they? How could they keep this to themselves? Even at the price of getting thrown into jail, even at the price of ultimately going to their deaths, they did not let that stop them. They didn't listen to the strict, the strict orders of those who said, stop sharing Jesus. They ultimately persevered. And after this story that we left this out, but basically uh, there's a whole segment in this chapter five of Acts of the Apostles. I encourage you to go back. There's the story of Gamaliel, and he says, well, you know, maybe if we just kind of let these people alone, it'll die out on its own, right? So let's not fight them, because if we start fighting them, we might end up fighting God. And then the Sanhedrin are like, all right, that sounds like a good plan. So they flogged the apostles. We didn't read about that. They got flogged, and then they were, they were told again, cut it out, stop preaching. We forbid you from sharing Jesus. And then what happens? Did the apostles get out and, and just kind of moan and complain together? Did they grumble together and say, man, I can't believe the nerve of those Sanhedrin. I can't believe that this is unbelievable. We have freedom of speech. We shouldn't have to endure this, this kind of persecution. Did they rebel? Did they grumble? Did they complain? No. The exact opposite, actually. We hear that after they left their presence, they went out rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. They rejoiced. They rejoiced that they came up against so much fierce backlash. They rejoiced that people didn't want to hear their message. They rejoiced that they were being persecuted. That is so counterintuitive for us. We want to like stick it to the man, right? We want to kind of overpower those who resist us. But the message of the gospel is the exact opposite. We rejoice when we find ourselves suffering dishonor for the name. But my question is, are we willing to do that? Are we? Because sometimes I look around the church and I'm seeing a lot of us walking around hunched over in fear, thinking, oh my gosh, we've been strictly ordered not to preach the name of Jesus, so we better not. We better not, because we'll get into trouble, because we might rock the boat, 
We might ruffle some feathers. Oh, we might make some people upset. We might be rejected. We might be blown off. We might lose our job. We might go to jail. Are we willing to suffer dishonor? Are we even willing to rejoice? Rejoice when we suffer dishonor for speaking the name of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of challenges today, and I want to be, I want to acknowledge that as well, that it's kind of scary to share the name of Jesus today, because the minute that we walk out those doors, right, and sometimes we even find it inside the doors of the church, unfortunately, but we certainly find it the minute we go out of the doors, we, f- we run into a lot of roadblocks, a lot of challenges, a lot of kind of ideas and things that resist evangelization. It makes it really hard to share Jesus with, with other people. One of those things that I think is a big one uh, that we all experience on a daily basis is just kind of this very heavy sense that religion is supposed to be private. That's a huge one. That like the privatization of our faith. Keep it to yourself. Keep it in your own home. Keep it at best just within your own, in your own head, right? Keep it there. If it stays there, it can't bubble over into your politics. It can't bubble over into your workplace. It can't bubble over anywhere. Keep it to yourself. We don't want to hear it. And so we, we walk around under that, that taskmaster, that strict order. Religion is private. God is a private thing. It's my thing. It's a personal thing. It isn't for anyone else, necessarily. But Jesus said, go into the whole world, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's our mission as Christians. We can't avoid that. We can't make this a private thing. That would go completely against what Jesus told us, told you to go and do in your own way, in the way that only you can do in the people's people's lives around you that only you have access to. That's what you were called to do. You can't keep your faith private. Just like St. Faustina, it would explode out of you if you tried to do it. The second big thing that we'll run into, I think, when we start sharing Jesus with the world in the way that I think the apostles did in the early church and the way that we're we're called to do right now is another thing that's just kind of this general marginalization of God. Right? And what I mean by that is God in general has been kind of pushed to the ultimate fringe. Life is not about God for most people today. Even like really committed Christians, sometimes we act like God is not around, don't we? We act like practical atheists sometimes. That's because our culture today has just kind of marginalized. God is not at the forefront. He's not that important. You can go about your life basically not paying attention to him, and you can be pretty happy. But we have to somehow engage that today. If we're going to share the name of Jesus, then we're going to come up against that. Because people are like, yeah, okay, but so what? That's not very important to me. Do we rejoice when we suffer that sort of dishonor? The third thing I think that we will come up against is relativism, okay? So relativism is basically the idea that I have my truth, 
you have your truth, everybody has their own truth, and as long as we don't hurt each other, then it doesn't matter. Everything is valid, okay? Uh, I just got a haircut the other day. I don't know if you noticed, but I got a haircut. And uh, it, basically, so I was talking with my, the, the lady cutting my hair. She was very nice, and we had a really good conversation. I was wearing my collar. Uh, she had some problematic views on many things, but one thing stuck out that I thought was really, like, interesting and terrifying at the same time. Because, like, uh, she said she, she spiritually advises lots of people of different faiths, right? Like, Muslims, Christians, Jews, uh, like, Satanists, everybody. And I'm like, I asked her, I was like, oh, interesting. So, like, if everybody believes different things, how do you advise them spiritually? How do you tell them what to do? And she said, uh, she said, well, if you believe something, then it's true. Okay. Uh, so like, that's, that's, that's like the most purely relativist thing that I've ever heard. Because like, that's not the way it works, right? Just because I believe something, just because I believe in Catholicism, it does not make it true. It's true because it's true. And I have to change my life in conformity to reality, right? That's what we're proclaiming here. Uh, but relativism kind of short circuits evangelization, doesn't it? Because if everything is true, if, if just my truth, if I just go out there and say, well, my truth is this, your truth is that, then what does it mean to say, like Jesus said in our gospel today, follow me, follow me. Well, if it's just relativism, then like, if you want to follow Jesus, fine, but it's, that's not true for me. That makes evangelization very hard. So that's what we're up against, right? Uh, we have to ask God for the strength to, to, to be so great of a witness and to be able to reach people that are not being currently reached, but also do it with joy and with love, but somehow cut through that, to, to ask the right questions, to invite people to like really, really grapple with what that means. When, when people say stuff like, well, if you believe something, it is true. How do we help people to see that that's actually not the case? That's our challenge. And in the meantime, we have to be willing to rejoice, to suffer for the name, to suffer for the name. Because at the end of the day, Jesus will ask each of us the same question that he asked Peter three times in our gospel this, this afternoon or whenever it is. This is morning still. I'm losing my mind. Jesus will ask us. Do you love me? Do you love me? And if we love him, then, then he will then say, well, then feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed them. Feed my beloved little sheep. Feed them what? What do we feed? The world. We feed the world the same thing that the apostles fed the world when they went out and told the whole, the whole cosmos that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We feed them the full gospel. We feed them with the Eucharist. We feed them with the Holy Scriptures. We feed them with the rich sacraments and tradition of our church. We feed them with, yes, the hard moral teachings that nobody wants to talk about right now. We feed them with the unconditional love and mercy of a God who desires that all men and women be saved be saved. Catherine Doherty, uh, the foundress of the Madonna House, which is going to be celebrating its 75th anniversary here soon, said this, 
The world is hungry for the good news of the Lord. The world is hungry for truth, for love, for a meaning in life, for hope, for faith, for charity. The world is hungry. If you love Jesus, then feed them with the one thing that actually will fill them, which is the Lord. Feed them in season and out. Feed them when it's easy. Feed them when it's dangerous. Feed them when it's guaranteed to get you into trouble. Feed them when it's guaranteed to get you, to get you killed. Because there are parts of this world right now where Christians, just being normal Christians, are being arrested and kidnapped and murdered for their faith. What is our excuse? If they're willing to do that, to show up to church on Sunday and just love the Lord in, in spite of that, then we, sitting here in the United States, we've got to be able to speak the name of Jesus and witness to that in a powerful way because we have so many freedoms. We have so many freedoms. So don't, don't for a second listen to all of those, those people out there that are giving you strict orders to keep your faith to yourself, to not speak the name of Jesus. Don't listen to those strict orders. Listen to Jesus instead, right? We cannot, we, we must obey God rather than men, Peter says. So go and do that. And what, is, what does God ask us to do? Follow me. Follow me. Do that. Feed the world what it really needs. Jesus. Jesus.